Moses and the CIA? I'm Moses, Ken Mosesian. And like my ancestor, I'm all about training individuals, teams, and companies how to lead. Now, I've joined forces with the CIA. I'm Dan Crum, known as the CIA. And I can help you win your best deal every time through my sales training, the CIA method. Join us as we talk about topics of life and business from two unique perspectives. Hello, Ken. How are you this fine evening? Hey, Dan. I'm great. How about yourself? How are you doing? I'm excellent. Ken, you need to hurry up and wait. What does that even mean? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the time that I spent working in the emergency department where we would sit around sometimes for an hour or two doing nothing. Then all of a sudden we'd have uh, blood all over us because of the number of patients that had suddenly come through the door. Uh, But hurry up and wait uh, tonight is about decision making and about how we think and process decisions. And I was reflecting on this, Dan, uh, over the past week, a good friend of mine uh, lost his brother. His brother was fairly young, mid-40s, uh, had a stroke, went into the hospital. They thought he was on his path to recovery, had another stroke, and a couple of days later died. And you know, it's times like that that you just, you're reminded of um, the, the uncertainty of life and that it could end at any moment. And I started reflecting on decision-making, like looking at the list of things that I have to do and that I want to do, and wondering about why some of them get accomplished really quickly and others just sit on the list, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months, sometimes for more than a year, before I finally go back and address them. And, and so I wanted to open that up tonight for a conversation, like what is it about certain things that propel us to make decisions quickly? What is it about other things that cause us to procrastinate? What is it about some things where we're like, that'd be a great idea. And, and we do the preliminary work and then it stalls. Why does it plateau? And are there reasons behind it? And can we get better at advancing? If, if, we're, if we're here to expand, if we're here to grow, if we're here to help others grow and expand as well, then what can we be doing in our own lives to make decisions in such a way that allows for more of that to flow? Because it feels, Dan, like the the less, the fewer decisions that I make, the more blocked I get. The more decisions I make, the better the flow. And I can always make a new decision if the one that I made didn't turn out the way I wanted. There's a book that I just finished, which most people, uh, if you read the whole thing. I listened to him because it's audiobooks. I listen at two and a half speed. So I get through it a lot quicker than I have to sit there and read every word. But in any case, the book is called Lifespan. And I'm really big into the longevity movement of how can we live longer lives than we are currently living. I, th- I don't know the numbers, so I'll paraphrase, but I think the average lifespan in America is like 84, somewhere around there. And there's every reason to believe that current technology medical improvements could allow people to live to 120 and then it's going to keep going up from there. There's every reason to believe that people could live to 150 and then just continue on and on. Who knows how, what the limit is to how long people could live. But in any case, I plan to live to be 123, which brings me to this like hurry up and wait. It's this 
um, put into us, I'll say it better. It's this inherited um, life plan that we take on, which says, here's how life's going to work. At least this applies to people in America of, I'll say, middle class is go to high school, go to college, graduate college, get a job, right? Uh, get married, have kids, repeat, right? Like that kind of process. And what do people get? Uh, what do people retire? I don't know, 60, 65, right? And then it's like, it keeps going. And then it just kind of goes through that cycle. Um, that all made sense when people lived a certain amount of time. But if people are going to go beyond 80s to 90s and 100s, and that's going to be average and normal, then why are we rushing? Like, why are we trying to go so quickly for something that may last a really long time? And um, so there's a person that I like to listen to. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, he goes by Gary V. And one of his big thesis or things that he stresses on is that people should spend their 20s exploring, not exploring the world, it could be, but really exploring the things that you're into. On the last uh, podcast, we talked about maybe following something or following your passion. Um, he says your 20s should be all about really like figuring out like, how much do I really like that thing? And like, trust, try that. Let me try that. Let me try that. Where that's not what we inherited. We inherited a belief system that, no, you're supposed to start a career. Is that true anymore? No, the evidence shows it's not true. We're going to have, who knows that I'm now seven, 10, 20 different jobs, probably before we hit 60, 65, which is probably the current retirement age. So if we have a span of 40 years with 20 plus jobs, then why are we hurrying so much to find something we're passionate about? Why are we hurrying to get to something so we can just wait for what? What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for retirement? So it kind of begs this question. That's where this thought process of hurry up and wait comes into. If we're going to live longer, even if we're going to live as long as the current lifespan shows, what's the rush? So it's interesting. The The lifespan for a U.S. male is 78.5 years. And over the past two years, it's actually dropped, which is is fascinating. I, part of it is pandemic related, um, just uh, in terms of what's happened. Um, but I, I share your belief that there's opportunity for our lifespan to continue to increase with medical and, and technological advances. It's an interesting thing that you pose. Like, um, are we in a rush for nothing? Should we be making more decisions more quickly? And I, I hear people talk about, I'll just divide it into two broad schools of thought, that the more decisions you make, the better you get at making decisions. It's almost like getting in your reps at the gym. It, it's, it's a process whereby you, you um, alleviate fear or you learn to be with the fear and act anyway, and that you learn a trait called decisiveness. And that you can make those decisions quickly means that you're also engaging critical thinking. On the flip side, and this may be what you're alluding to, Dan, what's the, what's the rush? Why not take time to explore and understand before rushing into a decision? What difference does it make um, that you make something super quickly? If you are engaging it, uh, then is there value, is there greater, greater value in spending time with something before making a decision um, about it? I also heard you talking about what I think is a broader category, which is that rush that we feel like 
honestly, I, I see parents now with private schools starting like when their kids are in utero, like where's the kid going to go to preschool? And then where is he going to go to elementary school? And then to prep school or high school and then to college? And what career track is that person going to be on? And literally they're, they're five, seven, ten years ahead like exploring places, trying to get the kid in because they want them to advance as fast as possible. It's a semi-ridiculous but actually real example. My husband taught in the private school system for years and saw this all the time. And this rush to just get it through and to declare a major. And, and to, you know, I, I hear this being asked of teenagers all the time. What do you want to study? What do you want to major in? What do you want to do? You know, where are you headed? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> and yet, there's an expectation that you do know, because like you said, we're still sort of in this 1950s mindset of high school, college, meet the right, at that time, girl, uh, get married, have kids, you know, move up the corporate ladder, retire, drop dead. And that was it. That was just the way it was supposed to go. And so, you know, your retirement years, your, your, your golden years were just meant for kind of waiting it out before you died. But if that's changing, and if there's not this singular career path anymore, and for most people, like you said, it's not going to be that way. It isn't that way anymore. Uh, it's not one job and the gold watch at the end, and bye-bye. Um, then it's time for us to explore a new model around decision-making and a new model um, around how we deal with time and how we spend that time. And there's, there's something I'll bring up in... When, when I'm when I'm back up, but there, there's something about how ultra creative, like famous creative people, work that might be instructive for us that flies in the face of the current model that we have. So there's something called decision making fatigue, and all it really means is that if you have a, uh, I use the term performance event. So let's say an athlete's an easy one. You have a game, and you're going to play in your game. Let's say you're a pitcher. The pitcher in a game, you have to make decisions as the game changes. So depending on what inning you're in, how many outs, who's on base, what's the count, um, all of these things will put you into an analysis mode where you have to make a decision like, what pitch do I throw to this person? So what I teach my athletes is what you need to do to preserve your decision-making muscle so it's like sharp full of fuel, like you're, you're fully ready to make solid, really intelligent, good decisions is you can't waste that decision-making in the course of the regular day. You preserve the energy for your performance event. So to stay on the topic of decision-making, I think that we weight life as too big a deal. Like we're too dramatizing everyday things. When in fact, if you look at that really simplistically, it's like um, you probably have things that you're being measured by, things that matter, right, for your career or for your life, and everything else are just these side things. They're just details. So don't waste your decision-making muscle. Like don't create decision-making fatigue so you're worn out from decisions throughout the day. So by the time you get to the thing that actually matters, you're not making the good decisions. So. I think the easy approach to that would be 
to see things for what they are. The rest of life is just these details. Let's not over-dramatize it. When you're forced with a decision, just make one. Literally, if you need to, flip a coin because what's the worst that happens? It's all subjective probably anyway. Is there a right decision and a wrong decision? No, there's just a decision. So just make it and just do something and then see what the results were. And then if you like those results, good. You can reflect back and go, well, that was a good decision. And then maybe you can make a similar decision in the future because you have some reference experience from it. And if it wasn't, you didn't like the results, then go, hmm, I learned something. I won't make that decision again. And then you adjust moving forward. But let's not over-dramatize it like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. What I'm seeing in a lot of people, especially young people, is ghosting, right? In order to not make a decision at all, in order to not face the fact that you once said, yeah, I'll come to that event. And they're like, I don't really want to go to that event. You don't even face that by telling the person, hey, I can't come. You either make up some lie, I understand, or you just don't show up. And they're like, where was Ken? Ken wouldn't do this. But they're asking, like, where's the person who said they were coming? They never showed up and they never returned my text. Let's not do that. Let's keep life on the level it's supposed to be, which means some things matter, the things you're being judged on, the things that move the ball forward in your career or your life, and everything else is probably little details. So just make a decision and move forward and let's not stress out over these little things. That's an interesting tie-in. Some of the folks that I'm coaching are on the younger side. And one of the things we were talking about this past week Dan, I think this ties into like the dramatization that happens that you're talking about for, for decision-making. We have a tendency to assign meaning to things that occur. It's, it's, they're good, they're bad, and, and particularly we allow ourselves then to be thrown by it. It's good. Wow, everything is great. That's a bad thing. That always happens to me. Why is this happening to me? And as a result of that, then we get caught up in the story. We get caught up in the drama. And we don't make decisions just based on events, which, like you said, most of them probably not that big. We could just be managing events, like literally, if we did not judge them as good or bad, but just saw them as input, just saw them as data, we could just be managing them. And, and then decision making is quick. And like you said, you save it for the, for the big things, for the game, for you know, whatever it is. I used to um, uh, give recitals on piano and, and organ. And um, those moments of like super heavy concentration are ones where you really want to direct your brain power. I think I was going to mention earlier about like super creative people and some of the, the common things I've been seeing in, in ways that they work is that they'll have these intense periods of creativity and then just these, these long periods of rest. And then again, these intense periods of creativity and long periods of rest. And I wonder if that isn't just a better flow. And it, it speaks to having to really rethink, like really rearrange how we think life should go and how we think work should flow. It speaks to having to rearrange, particularly in American culture, that busy equals productive, that Longer time spent working equals a better employee or a better boss or a greater chance of success. And 
it really speaks to looking at what you had originally started talking about, like that exploration phase early in life, where you find, like we talked about last week, what's my super strength? What's my superpower? What's that thing that I can do and do better than anybody else? And then go with that. And maybe then people have an opportunity to start creating work in a different way. Maybe there's companies that could actually lead in that, where people aren't expected to just pour out everything all day long at the same speed. And then we wonder why people are struggling with burnout. And I'm seeing more and more clients in their early 30s who are struggling with burnout. It's just extraordinary to me. And so I, you know, I, I wonder if if we, we try to like put this through a sieve for those people who might be listening, who are younger, who have kids who are like high school and, and early college age to encourage them to explore and to really get in touch with the stuff that turns them on or lights them up or, or what they, what they see as their super strength beyond that to just really consider that most of the decisions that we're making during the course of the day are probably not, you know, life-changing. They're, they're simple things. So just make them. And if you feel it was a wrong decision, you can reverse it. You can make another decision. And then on the bigger and more global picture, what would it take to start to reshape, reimagine, re-envision work life as we have it right now? And instead of this just focus on, on, on busyness, um, and uh, what I think is, a, is an absolute misnomer in identifying busyness with productivity, what would happen if we could start to give people more of an ebb and flow, times of great creative output, times of creative rest, so that we could avoid burnout, we could be more productive, we could be more profitable, and certainly we could be more creative and enjoy life more and i would say live longer because we're going to have less stress if we truly only live once if we're not reincarnated and depending on what you believe if we're just a hole in the ground we're just a body sitting in that hole then why are we rushing through life if this is the only life we have why don't we take our time and enjoy it i love it i think our first podcast ever was living like an alcoholic and shout out to my friend who's an alcoholic because he reminded me of something the other day which was to say um, I was saying, Hey, why waste your time with this? And he said, because what else am I going to do with my time? Right. He's like, there's only so much I can waste my time with. I might as well use my time for that. And I was like, that's a good point. It, Cause I was falling victim to this. Hurry up, man, hurry up. So you can get that done to then do what, right? It's it, like, life is really interesting. Like we didn't need to rush our way through life. Like, hurry up, man, hurry up, hurry up and uh, get married. Hurry up and like get that job you really want. Hurry up and get to the finish line. Like, no, these are all cliches, but it's like, it's the journey. It's not the destination. The moment if you got to the finish line and beat everyone else, I was like, great. Maybe you get a first place trophy. Maybe everyone's like, congratulations. You beat everybody else to that spot. But then it's like, now what? Now what? Right? So like, let's enjoy the journey. Let's enjoy the process. Let's just, let's not try to always like find a way out of things or avoid doing things, or to get through it quickly just to check that box and go, done, let's go, how can I still do it, and how can I enjoy it? I really just keep going back to the one day at a time, the, you know, the serenity prayer, control the controllables, and it's really, it's like, 
I have to be reminded of it. It's like, what is the rush, man? Why are you so focused on going quickly? It's like, why don't you just live in this now, live in this experience and get the most out of it, right? So let's stop rushing to then wait on who knows what comes next. So I'll, I'll end where I started with the story about my, my friend and his brother. And Dan, it's just reflective of what you talked about. During that last week, he was with him the whole time. And he had a chance to just be 100% present. Every one of his clients understood. There was no pressure. All of life faded away except for being present to his brother, being there for him, being there with him, and helping him you know, to move on from this life. And it was just such an extraordinary reminder of um, what happens when we're not here now. It's like, I, I, I love those three words, be here now. And that's what he had a chance to do. And man, clarity and insight and, you know, just that extraordinary presence of mind that comes at those times in life. What if we could take that on outside of tragedy, outside of times of tragedy or crisis? What if we could take that on as just the way to live? I'm going to be here now, fully, completely, and totally present. Like your friend said, what else am I going to be doing and why would I be rushing through it? If I rush through this, you know, I'm literally spending my life. We're spending time right now and moving towards the end. So why not savor it, whatever we're doing, whether you're, you know, having a great cup of coffee in the morning um, or doing something spectacular, why not savor every moment just like it occurs? Thank you for listening. To learn more, check out MosesInTheCIA.com. To learn more about Ken Mosesian, check out Mosesian.com. To learn more about Dan Crum, check out DanCrum.com.